0: This week on Trek, Merry, Kill. I'm Captain Kirk. Next.
1: (laughs) Captain's log, stardate 1672.9. Due to the malfunction of the ship's transporter, an unexplained duplicate of myself exists.
0: What can I do for you, Jim? I said give me the brandy! Come on, Spark, I know that look. What is it?
1: Uh, Well, our good doctor said that you were acting like a wild man.
0: (laughs) Oh, Captain. You started hurting me.
1: I had to fight you. Fisher saw you too. It wasn't me. It was you, sir. I'm Captain Kirk! I'm Captain
0: Kirk! Trek, Mary, Kill.
1: Hi, I'm Brian. Hi, I'm Captain Kirk. I mean, Kristen. Oh, good. Or am I?
0: (laughs) Welcome to Trek, Mary, Kill, a podcast that judges the value of individual episodes from across the Star Trek universe like an animal. A thoughtless, <laughs> brutal animal. We're continuing our Split in Two theme month with the very first Split in Two episode in Star Trek history, The Enemy Within, written by Richard Matheson, directed by Leo Penn. It was the fourth episode of the original series that was produced, but the fifth to air, which happened on October 6th, 1966, on NBC. Memory Alpha describes it: a transporter malfunction splits Captain Kirk into two people, one good and the other evil. And neither capable of functioning well separately. What an episode! What an hour of mm-hmm. television! <laughs> yeah, when yeah. It says it's It was made in 1966. It ain't lying. It is now. no. <laughs> so this is an episode that for me I remember forgetting. Like when I watched it, like probably during lockdown. I'm like, it's one I would watch. Uh, and re like have on the side. So it's one I've never really paid attention to, and like during the lockdown, I like actually paid attention to it, and I I was captivated by the filmmaking, but the story stuff. I mean, this is what our show is about. We're gonna get into story stuff and see where this falls in our Trek, marry or kill. But um, I don't know what what <laughs> was there any like initial like when you think of this episode, is there like one thing that jumps out at you?
1: Well, yeah, like the close up of evil Captain Kirk when he gets off the, when he's on the transporter platform.
0: Yeah. The, the mascarid, uh, yeah. uh, Archly lit Captain Kirk. Yeah. And also the, uh, the, I think it's a GIF that's become a meme of him walking through the corridors, drinking from the bottle of Saurian brandy Mm -hmm. and all that. So there's like certain things from there. Before we get into the grades though, I mean, this is kind of, a bummer to start it on, but this episode has like kind of two really sad things in it. We've got a rape and a dog mm-hmm. dies. Yeah. It's <laughs> supposed to be entertaining. Um, so, you know, that th- those are He's like, dead two gym. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, but so I guess, you know, people were sensitive to the subject, you know, rape is this a story point, but also Janice ran or excuse me, Grace Lee Whitney, who played, janice rand i mean i want to talk about this a little bit we kind of touched on this maybe for where no man has gone before one of the first original series episodes we did but you know the dark history of star trek is that it was made in the 60s so Mm -hmm. there was a lot of uh the stuff that we've always heard about with hollywood and the entertainment industry but um first i just want to like mention like gracely whitney was part of the ad campaigns for Star Trek when it was like here's a guy here's a guy and here's a hot girl you know that was (laughs) she was in the promos she was um contracted to do the first 13 episodes in season one and her and she was basically written out of the show before those 13 Gene Roddenberry has like a very much like well the studio kept wanting me to put Kirk with a new woman every week and I kept telling them no and then finally they kept challenging me on so many other things i figured that's the one area where i should say yes to so that's why we made the decision to move on from janice Rand. it's actually not quite as businessy like as that it says it's as bad as you might feel that it is but um before we get to the dark part i want to read her what was in the new york times the uh, obituary i'm sorry Kristen, to just read at you here in the opening but Grace Lee Whitney, who played Captain Kirk's assistant, Yeoman Janice Rand, on the original Star Trek series, died on Friday at her home in Gold, California. She was 85. Her son, Jonathan Dweck, confirmed her death. Miss Whitney played Yeoman Rand in the first eight episodes before being written out of the series. In her 1998 autobiography, The Longest Trek, My Tour of the Galaxy, she wrote that her acting career largely ended after that. She also wrote of becoming an alcoholic. She described struggling with her addiction for many years before seeking treatment and resuming her career with the help of Leonard Nimoy, who starred as Spock in the series. Mr. Nimoy died in February. This is in 2015. She returned for the Star Trek movie franchise, reprising her role in Star Trek The Motion Picture, Star Trek III, Star Trek IV, Star Trek VI. Mr. Dweck said his mother wanted to be remembered more as a successful survivor of addiction than for her Star Trek fame. She dedicated her last 35 years to helping people with addiction problems, some of whom she met at Star Trek conventions, he said. Over time, quote, over time she became appreciative of her short time on Star Trek because she developed meaningful relationships with the fans, Leonard Nimoy, and other cast members, Mr. Dweck said. Uh, Nimoy was an alcoholic too, so I mean, I wonder how much they actually wound up helping each other. Um, That wasn't in the obituary, that's my comment there. Now, I'm bringing this up because... It's kind of a tragic story with Janice or with Yeoman, with Grace Lee Whitney. And I I guess I just wanted to talk about it. It stuck with me the very first time I ever heard anything about it. I mean, I, Rand didn't really, you know what I mean? Like, I didn't like, that's my favorite character. It had nothing to do with that. Um, I just think I don't like when people get picked on or abused. Yeah. And it was basically after a rap party. She wrote in her memoir that there was a rap party and uh, an exec, you know, wanted to talk to her about her part. Talked to her about her career, and um, and they like went into an office, and she kind of got the sense, of, like, oh, I better give in, otherwise, this could affect my career. And so she slept with the guy, and then he must have felt ashamed or something because then he immediately turned around and made sure that she was written out of the show and never came back, and all this other stuff. And as she said, she stopped acting basically shortly thereafter. Um, another just couple cool things about her, she was. Uh, dancer but she was it was her idea to have the mini skirts in star trek she's like my best asset is my legs and you can't see my legs in these pants so they're like ah oh. and then she said in her memoir that uh michelle nichols also a dancer and a singer was like she's not going to steal my thunder so there are, she said that there are many times when uhura is sitting that she's actually sitting and trying to ride the skirt up an, a lot more so that you can see more of uhura's yeah. legs she wasn't going to get beat. I love that kind of stuff. But uh, anyway, I just want to her contribution <laughs> No one's going to out-sex
1: me. Or, that's right.
0: <laughs> my name's in the opening credits. That's right. So, Sit your ass my, down. That's right. So I just wanted to uh, spotlight her because I don't know how often that's going to be in. This is basically this and I think Charlie X. These are like her really her big episodes. Um, what an episode. But. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. Um, and then the other kind of bit of history about this episode, it's kind of wild to see. Uh, it was written by Richard Matheson, basically one of the most successful genre writers in American history. He wrote a bunch of Twilight Zone episodes, including the one with Shatner, Nightmare at 20,000 Feet. He wrote the novel I Am Legend, which you know has been adapted many times, but most recently, I think the Will Smith movie. Uh, his short story Duel became Steven Spielberg's first movie of the same name. Uh, good, pretty good movie. You should all see that if you haven't. Um, but I'll stop here with all that. Kristen, do you remember the history of writer Robert Block who wrote the Halloween I do. episode? That's why I do. Uh, you remember, he had like a huge fan base, and I was like, mm-hmm. maybe they're called blockheads or whatever. Well, in 1993, Matheson wrote a mystery novel, and he dedicated it to Robert Block. It's all connected. <laughs> <laughs> All before our life. Maybe he was he lifetime. was a blockhead then. Maybe that's that's right. Uh, and a card carrying member. member. <laughs> so this episode has, uh, and then Leo Penn, who directed it, he basically he's all over 60s television, 70s, 80s, like just an old hand at television. He praised Shatner's performance in this episode. Uh, you got the evil Shatner, or you got the evil Kirk and the good Kirk. The good Kirk's kind of fading, the evil Kirk's scared, that kind of thing. And Leo Penn said, William is a very good actor and gave a very good performance. I had a good time on that show. And yeah, that uh, doesn't
1: actually sound to me like a very ringing endorsement. That sounds like <laughs> something you have to put in a book or an interview so you don't get on William Shatner's shit list. <laughs> or you don't well, start like some uh, Twitter
0: screed about you. Two things, though, like so many people never bothered to filter themselves so you're just saying like leo penn's like a classy guy and he's like no he's okay and then the other thing is like i don't know if your very famous grandfather who has the storied history but like my recollection of my grandparents my grandfathers were like short on compliments and if they were compliments they would be basically wrapped up in these one lines like good egg or like yeah that was that wasn't bad So I guess what I'm saying is like, maybe that's the the most Leo Penn can say about anybody. Yeah, maybe. Uh, But Richard Matheson elaborated, I thought Bill Shatner was brilliant. I loved what he did. He carried the whole thing. I was a little sorry that Roddenberry put so much emphasis on the crew being stuck on the planet, but I liked it and I was very satisfied with the production value. So yes, let's talk about this. The storyline of Sulu and the landing party being stuck Mm -hmm. on the planet. Well, with that's the thin drop, blankets yes that's gonna drop 120 degrees below zero or whatever just complete nonsense because uh, just a few episodes later they're like well we have a shuttle craft well, you know it's just like all. yeah the i was like jeopardy. what's
1: going on with that <laughs> i thought they have shuttles sometimes no not this time
0: not yet or they it's just like fake jeopardy like really bad like one of the things they could they not land to- on the shit on the planet they couldn't land on the planet. Like they just took all those options off the table. And I don't know why it, it just, but it wasn't in Math- Matheson's original story. It was something that Roddenberry added because you need jeopardy. And so mm-hmm. what's the um, imminent threat going on?
1: Yeah, I didn't, I didn't, by the way, that did not bother me. Like the, the B plot does not bother me at all.
0: It bothers me because it's like, well, they're like just ignoring they all down this on stuff. The,
1: well, they're down on the planet Doing stuff, and it would make sense that oh, the transport is broken, so they're stuck there. Other than not have no transport or no uh, shuttle, and can't land on the on the planet. But like that doesn't bother me.
0: I don't know, it, but it didn't bother you, but it kind of bothered me the whole time because it was kind of like, why are we cutting to this to those thin blankets? <laughs> <laughs> it's like my my grandparents' linen closet. So what's going on there? Uh, yeah. But Kristen, I have a new mission. I must find the TV guide issue or article in august 1991 it was for star trek's 25th anniversary where gene Roddenberry gave his top 10 episodes and this was one of them whoa okay yeah but also the tv guide is the one the famous one kirk versus picard oh all right great scenes why don't you go first Okay,
1: so right off the bat we have a dog in an alien costume.
0: <laughs> it's a like a dragon yeah. costume, right? I could it's, I it's almost it. like a dragon slash
1: uh, unicorn. It's got like a unicorn situation going. But it's just horn. a little costume. He's got a horn or something coming uh, yes, out so of the it's forehead.
0: It's like a lion and, like a cowardly lion costume with a unicorn horn.
1: Yeah. And that's just funny to me. Okay. Like the dog just keeps showing up in this ridiculous costume. Do we know if there were two dogs or if it was just the same don't, dog? Don't know. Don't know. Now okay, there would so be this,
0: two dogs for sure.
1: Yeah. This dog looks like it's like been sedated though. Like it's not barking. Oh, it's, it's, just, <laughs> it's on quaaludes for sure. It's being held by every member of the cast at one point, you know, <laughs> Being passed off. Um, But yeah, so right off the bat, you got a a dog and alien costume. And then the next great scene, Evil Kirk appears and starts wandering around the ship, drinking booze and preying on women. (laughs) Like, you know, what what else are you going to do if you all became evil? If You just suddenly became your evilest self. Yep. I mean, probably not (laughs) drinking. I mean, drinking booze. Yeah, but I wouldn't be. Oh, let me prey on some ladies. (laughs)
0: Uh, I didn't really have like a great scene in the first act, but like what you said, it was it was like really cool mood lighting. The ship was really well lit, like really interesting shots, selection, that kind of stuff. There was definitely a vibe that they set up again early in the show. So they had more time and all that stuff Um, or they were taking their time trying to figure it out. Um, but the, yeah, the silliness, so to me, like this episode has the silliness of the dog, um, but it has great production values and mood. And it was like, it, that's the, that's the tension that carries with it through. It's like a terrific bit of filmmaking. That's elevating for me, a clunky story in the early going. Um, any other great scenes?
1: Yeah. So um, Spock and Kirk in the transporter room, the first, their first scene in the transporter room where it's obviously that, obvious that the Good Kirk is having a hard time with um, just executing his duties as captain and making any decisions. Mm -hmm. Um, I thought it was a good moment between them, between the two.
0: Yeah, I I thought so too. But (laughs) I, I didn't put it on my list. I was like, Kristen will probably put it on her list. It was just he's holding the dog in that scene. So yeah, I get to that later.
1: Yeah, I get to that later. But yeah, holding the dog. It just makes it makes a scene that would otherwise seem rather serious look ridiculous.
0: Yes. It's He's just, in just...
1: frame with the stupid unicorn and the dumb <laughs> tail. Yeah. And by the way, the costume, if you guys haven't watched it, this costume quality is like the kind you'd get at PetSmart for Halloween. Like the the quality is not it's it's obviously a dog in a costume. It's, it's
0: nothing else but that. It's like obviously this is not being shown in high def, you know, the TVs at the time, Mm -hmm. all the production post production. So it's like it, it probably still definitely easily registered as a dog in a costume on the TV, (laughs) but it probably wasn't as distracting. But on top of that, the crisp crystal clear image, we now get to see it in there is cool shit. The planet designs they Mm -hmm. use, they use that to good effect. The way the ship is shot is used interest. It's like interesting, so it's like i think they balance well, it was it, but originally yeah, shot
1: on film right yes yes the whole yeah, yeah so like well, anything you, anytime you shoot at something on film it's unless the print is like really really in bad shape it's going to look pretty nice if you restore it unlike other formats
0: yeah, but that scene where Spock's basically like, hey, you are you can't show weakness in front of the crew. Like, I, yeah, that was a good... I like that scene. Yeah. All right, but then, <laughs> for me, the first real great scene, unequivoc- unequivocally, is when soft, good Captain Kirk announces to the crew, hey, there's a, an imposter on board. And watching in his quarters is evil Captain Kirk. Mm-hmm. And he goes, I'm Captain Kirk! <laughs> he just... <laughs> Uh, it's a nice scene because he's going crazy, but also it's he's so committed to doing this <laughs> performance to being this big with with it that it I think it works like it's not so outlandish. Uh, it's not like a lot of the villain turns we get in the newer stuff where they're like mustache twirling like mm-hmm. that's Shatner channeling his like I'm. Living in a car between jobs, like desperation mm-hmm. <laughs> into that. So I don't know. I really liked it. Uh, and I thought the scene where Kirk and Spock, good Kirk and Spock, are hunting evil Kirk in engineering. I thought that was mm-hmm. a really good scene. Really moody, yeah. intense. The pacing was really cool. Evil Kirk's on top of some equipment like a damn cat.
1: Yeah, because we don't see engineering every episode, unlike no. some of the other shows. Right.
0: And I, this be the next been the, generation this might have been the first appearance of engineering. you can tell it's like not the yeah. set that we know. it's all mostly built and Scotty's not down there all that stuff. um and uh, and that ends with a, a neck pinch, which was great. I mean, what's mm. what more can you want? <laughs> it was fun watching the doubles because they obviously tried to cut away before you could tell it wasn't Chatner. but then did you notice the other reverse of that when it's Shatner's face and he's backing away from the camera that were behind the stand in the one of the turns. The stand in is like walking like Frankenstein's monster. It's like he's got this (laughs) weird lurch to him. It was bizarre. (laughs) Uh, But then I don't think this is a great scene, but it is a great scene kind of for the same reason with the pacing and the mood when they do the test to merge the good dog and the bad dog. Because that's right, folks. The dog goes through the transporter Uh because it's just an animal. They just call it a a creature or an an animal. They don't call it a dog. Um, And but the dog dies. Mm -hmm. First of all, it's adorable. When they're both was, on the pad, yeah. one's a stuffed animal and the other one's. There. <laughs> <laughs> it was very cute. It's just sitting there, and then it comes back and it's dead, and that was not cool. <laughs> uh, but I still thought it was it was a good like a, a well constructed bit of creepiness and.
1: Yeah, engine. but the gravitas that the death gives is really funny because it's still That's a dog right. in my costume. it's, it's, <laughs> it's dead, Jim. <laughs>
0: This whole episode is yeah. like hinging on, it's like a, a, can you get over yeah, the silliness of the dog?
1: <laughs> and it's hard. It's 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 a tall order, I would say. <laughs> it's just there. Yeah. <laughs> and then I, and oh, well, after that, then when Spock is talking about how he's half human, half Vulcan, and so he knows what it's like to have two sides to yourself and that That Captain Kirk should survive because he'll be able to use his intelligence to know what's going on. And the dog was just too scared and died of shock.
0: Yeah. No, I I like that part of the scene too. And then you've got Kirk and Kirk have their own conversation in Sick Bay. And then the evil Kirk attacks the good Kirk to get away. And then there's the evil. Yeah. And then there's the confrontation between the two of them on the bridge. And I thought I just thought the episode was like well directed. It was it's so rare that we see space between dialogue, but it's not just like film school student space between dialogue. Like it's building tension <laughs> and you're holding on an actor's face and the actor is so good. In this case, it's like Shatner looking at Shatner a lot of the time. And it's, yeah, like it's th- tough to direct that stuff, especially back then where you couldn't,
1: you know, use special effects to just put like a double like an actual double you know so it's yeah it's well directed because there's a lot of moving parts and a lot of those scenes
0: any other great scenes no that's it all right all right best trek tropes transporter accident (laughs) I mean (laughs) come on it's gonna come up a lot in this theme month
1: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so also this is actually not a, a this is a trope i wish they used more often so we have a, at the beginning we have a captain's log that is narrating in past tense saying at the time we didn't know there was an evil version of myself lurking on the ship instead of captain's log uh i've been split in two and what's happening like it's so I, I would prefer that over the let's narrate what's happening, even though I would have no chance to actually do this.
0: You're okay with that, even if like later logs seem to jump that and make it in the moment. You're okay with that? If it's out of, you know I mean, saying? it's not
1: the best, but if you're going to do a captain's log, I'd rather it be that than then uh, narrating what's happening as it's happening, because there's no actual opportunity for, the character to have been able to do that fair fair yeah I, I think it's any? clunky i think it's clunky <laughs> because it's a 60s tv show and they're like well we have to tell the audience what's happening i mean it seems like a network note honestly i yeah. like well shouldn't they what shouldn't we have a voiceover saying what's going on and but if you're going to do it i'm okay with it
0: uh, i have using phasers to heat rocks so that you can yeah i put that too yeah air. That was good. So it's a rare one. Sorry, and Brandy. That's that's great. Yeah. Uh, Spock talking about his battle, like you highlighted in that scene between being human and Vulcan.
1: And Um, one last one for me. You know, Kirk, you know, it's the evil Kirk because he has eyeliner on. (laughs) That's how you can tell the difference. Other than I do think they originally said, look, they're going to both be in the in the the uniform, so the audience isn't going to know until the evil Kirk gets the scratches, and then the network was like, "No." Well,
0: they did a lot of things to try to differentiate them—not yeah. just the scratches, the eyeliner, but the uniform as well. Yeah, they—they they um, changed.
1: Yeah, so mm-hmm. the good Kirk was in that weird tunic thing.
0: His season two uh, the, like the jacket. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Um, worst Trek tropes the casual sexism, the casual misogyny, I guess, mm-hmm. is probably the better thing. And that's like not even an, of its time. I'm talking about in Star Trek and mainly, uh, Gracely Whitney talked about this, I think in an interview or in her memoir, like Spock, like says he, you know, at the end of the episode, he like makes a joke about their attempted rape. Yeah. At, at her expense. It's pretty, it's pretty gnarly. And like her
1: saying, as a character, well, he's the captain. I kind of had, you know, like I had but, like, I, he, he, you know, I had to let him do it or whatever. And that's just like really gross.
0: Uh, and then I also put transporter accident <laughs> <laughs> only because the, the shuttle part isn't brought in, which I guess I could give them a, a pass because it's so early in the run of the show. But like, I don't know. It seems like the, the idea that Scotty's like, hmm, something's up with the transporter. Oh, seems fine now. It's like, no, the transporter. <laughs> they, they're so casual about it yeah. after it malfunctions. It's so weird.
1: And then I also put, I've already mentioned, having the stupid unicorn dog in the serious scenes. <laughs> like you can just not have them holding the dog. <laughs>
0: It was funny when they cut away to the evil dog, though, and you could clearly see the trainer's wire leash or prod or whatever they were doing to it to make it growl and bark. Uh, All right. Most of its time quality. Well, they put a little dog in a dragon costume. (laughs) We've been talking about the whole time. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, beyond that, um, most of its time, again, I think the lighting, this is like a positive, like the lighting, the camera choices, uh, all the filmmaking was very much of its time, and, and it was an excellent example. I, I'm sure for TV, this is, like, really good. This is, like, even as good as some movies. Seriously, I'm uh-huh. not even, like, saying that damning with faint praise. It's, like, it's really well done. Jerry Finnerman, I think, he's 25 years old. He's the DP, and I think he was a feature guy, and Liu got him, and somehow, miraculously, the show's lit like a movie for two seasons, and then he leaves in the season third season. Um, so they, they exploited that young guy's labor and it looks great. So <laughs> looks yeah. great.
1: Also the set decoration in Kirk's quarters and Janice's quarters as well. I,
0: I put her beauty cabinet or hutch mm-hmm. that she has that she did her like vanity. that. Definitely, yeah, her vanity. Thank you. <laughs> and her, the bedspreads. Yes. The blankets. And,
1: <laughs> yeah. Her hair is like yeah. in this crisscross, like lattice pattern.
0: It's wild. Uh, I guess we should talk about the assault attempted rape. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: (laughs) There was a sexual assault just
0: on on screen. Mm -hmm. This is my impression as a dude. That scene was not shot with any care or attention like it would be today, but it was not shot in a way that that wasn't trying to be anything beyond this is bad. Like it was very clear. Like this is a setup for something that's bad. And my, I'm saying that because in the last 25 years or so, as progressive as we like to think we've come, we've become, there's been a lot of sexual assault on TV where it's not, it's portrayed as tantalizing or scintillating or controversial where, where it creates a gray area or something. I think rescue me had a very famous rape scene. Remember that show rescue me Mm with Dennis Siri. Anyway, like it's been sensational yes it's been sensationalized is i guess maybe the better way of saying it and this did not feel sensationalized to me no i mean she's terrified and and yeah she's terrified and and like
1: but the i the under like the theme that's going through this is that we learn that these are actually two sides of him and like all of those things are actually in him in the whole captain kirk
0: And more so, so and beyond that, it's like that's in all people or all men. Yeah, because
1: today I don't think you would say, well, you know, we're going to have, we're going to split this person in two and, you know, all the sort of bad traits are going to go over here. I don't think you would want your hero, your perfect captain to be a fucking sexual predator right off the bat, like... Literally, yeah. just attacks the her. Like in. he gets yeah. drunk, and then like immediately wants a drink, and then goes on the prowl.
0: I mean, I feel like they are trying to make a high-minded point about we are n- neither good nor bad, right? We or they all uh, it all plays on each other. I think that's actually a pretty good idea. But I, I agree, it's like all we really see is the guy gets drunk and he assaults this one. Yeah, <laughs>
1: like oh, well, that's at just the same an, time, it's everybody. Like I don't think so. Hopefully not.
0: Well, I think, that, yeah, I mean, because, yes, then the counter is like his mind, his intelligence is caring, pu- pushes against that impulse. Uh, and the impulse is to take what you want or assault or whatever. So I don't yeah, I don't know. Is there a way that that's I feel like if for the time that it's written, it's making the idea very clear. And today audiences are more is this maybe this is too highfalutin or too uh, me trying to excuse it too much. If it was done today, audiences are smarter, so you wouldn't have to do it that starkly. Yeah, maybe is the point I'm trying to make.
1: You could do more so with maybe you would show it with him not like turning down an advance from like a a subordinate,
0: right? Or he was yes, yes, or he would just come on to her probably less. He would just come on to her more strongly not without physically, having, but without like, having to attack her. Yes, or just
1: ask her out or something. But I mean, the drugs and alcohol and that kind of thing. Yeah, that certainly is within a lot of normal people. Like, if they didn't have impulse control, or if you you know your dopamine receptors happen to be off or whatever, you might turn to those types of things for gratification. Yeah. Um. So that's, I think, that's certainly within most people, and also wanting like sexual gratification, but not to the point of I'm going to violently assault somebody
0: right and i, th- yes, yeah, it's I exactly think you, right. you would
1: definitely show it in a different way of like this guy's evil or not evil but like this is the worst parts of him and it would probably be more so about like maybe i don't know like being like too impulsive with decisions or something
0: yeah no like not, i like not that. being
1: not being a good leader because you kind of fly off the handle or something but not like actually
0: physically <laughs> trying to <Yeah>. hurt people <laughs> I mean, yeah, and the, I mean, you could have done it where they they actually do sleep together and then that's mm-hmm. like its own thing, right? No, I, lo- I actually really love that. Like it's an impulse control kind of issue because the other tension with the episode is the crew can't afford to see Kirk weak, like yeah. as a leader. So like that is like a really an impulse control issue that, that plays into all that. Um, any other of its time qualities you want to point out? No. All right. I guess I'll just point out like Sulu's freezing makeup. But also like what 120 degrees below zero is, you know. Yeah. in Star Trek, they basically do use like the, it would be Celsius, so it would be different now. But it, just trying to convey the point that freezing, they would have had trouble a lot sooner than they were having it. So the science was they off would on have that frozen there. to yeah. death yeah.
1: so quickly. Yes. Those blankets <laughs> must have some kind of magic properties, and no amount of heating rocks.
0: But around you about-
1: unless you made some kind of shelter that's what they probably should have been like oh we made we have like yeah. a survival thing where we make a little shelter with rocks so we heat them all or something we put the blankets over i don't know but you can't that- really shoot that yeah. in back right. in those days like you can't put the camera under a blanket or a tent right like a real right. one so because you know back in those days everybody you could see things on the screen because they had to light everything because the cameras <laughs> couldn't the film can't pick up low light and actually, you know, follow action. So unlike today where you, right. I guess, light one candle and you
0: could still shoot. Although I disagree. The, the one time they can't find a cave. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and it looked like that was prime cave real estate. <laughs> it was before they knew they could do that. Every a guy like <laughs> covered in ore, which started That's this right. whole
1: thing. Usually that means... There's right. some digging going around. Yeah.
0: It's like unclear what, what they're there for. It's a survey. Like they're not that curious about the ore, whatever. Like, eh, I don't know. It's, but I was, yeah, bringing it, could, up. it could
1: be the most valuable mineral in the universe. I don't know. <laughs> right. There's like, eh.
0: well, let's take this weird looking dog. So I guess the, I guess the most of its time is like the, the, uh, like the cloudiness, the fuzziness of this bee story. But I was really just bringing it up to make a point about Sulu, George Takei, like, Star Trek, the original series, is so f-ing great because all the characters are, they just fit their parts. It all sounds like a symphony. His voice is so cool. Sulu's yeah. voice. It's like instant authority. You And he has like great facial expressions. Like, you know, he, maybe George Takei are, is not the greatest actor, but like you believe him as a person, as a real person. That counts for a lot. Uh, and so, you know, it's not necessarily yeah, that I cared.
1: It's not that you cared about what was going on on the planet, but yes. you didn't want Sulu to just freeze
0: to death. Right. <laughs> <laughs> the other people you don't care about, but right. <laughs> the red shirts are down there. Okay. Who cares? It is funny that they hadn't quite figured out, I guess most of its time, the most of its time is first five episodes of Star Trek. James Dewan hadn't quite figured out the Scotty accent. Mm-hmm. Or he hadn't like, he hadn't like fully uh, absorbed it because it was a little, not dicey, but it didn't sound like how he sounds later on. So. I uh, was trying to figure that or maybe maybe he was doing it to what he thought was a more authentic Scottish accent. And they were like, no, bigger. It's not yeah. playing <laughs> more cartoonish, more clown show. I think Star Trek had a very good run of
1: casting. Really good, like I don't know if it was luck or if it was skill or what, but just casting care people or actors in the characters and actually making us care about them up until I will say Voyager.
0: Yes. Oh, thank you for joining me on that. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, no, I I think it's, I think making anything film or TV is luck is a part of it for sure. For, for any of that stuff. Um, All right. Now it's time for the line must be drawn here. Great lines. So I mentioned before that this is a clunky story, but in the grand tradition of the original series, I really think there are some fantastic lines, just lines that absolutely rip. Uh, Spock's, Spock's line, that scene that we were talking about, where, he's, where Kirk's holding the dog, <laughs> And he yeah. goes, Captain, no disrespect intended, but you must surely realize you can't announce the full truth to the crew. You're the captain of the ship. You haven't the right to be vulnerable in the eyes of the crew. You can't afford the luxury of being anything less than perfect. If you do, they lose faith and you lose command. Notice how he says "command," command, yes. And then Kirk says, "Yes, I do know that, Mister Spock. What I don't know is why I forgot that just now, Mister Spock. Uh-huh. If you see me slipping again, your orders, your orders are to tell me." So it's just great, Kirk and Spock there. But yeah, I also that, have that. That Spock line is not something that say, "Oh, I don't know," Christopher Pike has in mind. <laughs> <laughs> in strange new worlds he's like they can see me weak then i'm a person mm-hmm. it's like yeah uh, i cook for them that's right these are 450 people going like am i gonna die tomorrow in the coldness of space i don't know at least there will be chopped carrots floating by me
1: I, I think we can out. also put that in most of its time because that is what you know the perception of a perfect leader is Back then, and now it would be like, oh, but you want them to be personable and like care about your feelings and stuff.
0: He's just like me. Mm hmm.
1: You want to see them vulnerable
0: and and personable. My my counter to that is, could this be a horseshoe theory situation for, for the theoretical future of Star Trek, where that's what we... Believe now, but in the past we believe this, and in the future we'll believe this too because we'll go through all the shit of learning and discovering. Like at the end of the day, if you're a starship captain, your crew is going to freak out because tomorrow this first federation ball of glowing lights could roll up and say, you have one hour before you're vaporized. Yeah. And if your captain's like yanking his collar going, is that like going <laughs> to really make you want to like do your best to maybe help get the ship through the crisis? I don't know. But uh, yeah, that's true though. It is of its time at this, in the way that Spock puts it, I guess is, is the key to that. So
1: I have, I have a line. Um, okay. So when poor Janice is in sick bay Talking about the assault, she says, when you mentioned the feelings we had been hiding and you started talking about us, and then Captain Kirk goes, us? (laughs) Just like, no, 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 no. I would never, I would never. No, 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 no. There's no
0: us. (laughs) I was going to marry her. (laughs) It's very close to that. Uh, In the scene, um, oh, Spock says... Being split in two halves is no theory with me, Doctor. I have a human half, you see, as well as an alien half, submerged, constantly at war with each other. Personal experience, Doctor. I survive it because my intelligence wins over both, makes them live together. Your intelligence would enable you to survive as well. This is Spock convincing Kirk. doesn't matter if you just saw the dog dog die. Get in the (laughs) transporter. (laughs) Get in there. Uh, I like that scene and then like it goes on a little bit more and then Spock has another amazing line where he goes, if I seem insensitive to what you're going through, Captain, understand it's the way I am. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, every Reddit uh, account that should be their tagline. (laughs) Yeah, honestly. (laughs) Uh, I liked one of the bits where Sulu calls up to the ship. I, I like your pitch. They just they definitely would have had the money or time. Where we see them on the on the planet, like we built a shelter, but the shelter froze or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, so well, at least the shelter like... isn't gonna help you for very long in one hundred forty degrees. But you know, I mean, like, it didn't seem like zero. they were really doing that much except calling the ship and whinging about their situation. And uh-huh. anyway, but like in this in this one, Kirk answers and, and Sulu goes, "Hotline direct to the captain. Are we that far gone?" I, I like yeah. that. I just like that line. Or right, I have one more. Uh, Kirk says I've seen a part of myself no man should ever see. So the I guess to spark. Yeah, well I mean I guess to that point it's kind of like how deep down does it go? And I I think the show is trying to do that literary thing where it's like this is the darkness in the hearts of all men. Right? Uh-huh. And today audience was would say television's been on for 70 years or whatever. We've seen thousands and thousands of hours of shows that talk about generality. We want specifics. So now today if the shows it's like that's what's in Kirk's heart. When that's certainly not the intention of the episode I don't think, but um it's still a powerful line. I mean, do I want to see the darkness inside myself? I don't even like it when I'm consciously aware of it. confronting it it upsets me greatly (laughs) i hate seeing the weakness uh but what can you do (laughs) what what can you do what can you do just gonna Uh, (laughs) go
1: assault some women on my Mm -hmm. drunken uh that's not what i meant i'm like what (laughs) boys will be boys (laughs) (laughs) right
0: (laughs) what can you do it's the darkness of men's heart I was it is disgusting. I was raised by nuns, taught by nuns, and they were very clear about about gendering everything and saying anything men did was bad. Mm -hmm. But they were very clear to say, like, we do anything that was like, whatever, you're in fourth grade and you're doing whatever a boy does. They're like, that's what boys do. Stop doing that. It's disgusting. You're terrible. Like, that would be immediate. Yeah, (laughs) I mean, boys are
1: gross. Yeah, they are like they're dirty. Yes, you know they're stinky. I mean, there's yes. all I mean, that's the least of it. But yeah, rape, the,
0: yeah, rape is not in the hearts of every man. Lust no. is, and impulse control is. Yeah, that's all there. But the Anton Caridian Award for Best Performance—can there be any doubt? It's got to be Shatner. Is this yeah, a joint Caridian and Shatner?
1: It's got to be right. It's got yeah, to be. It's got to. Be. There's there's nobody else
0: that could Shatner it. He is so good uh dramatically like captivating in both roles and then ridiculous clown shit in both roles as well. Yeah. <laughs> that's really, really good. Um it's so big, but it doesn't break the reality. Maybe because the dog's in the episode. It balances <sighs> it out. But <laughs>
1: I think it looks like he was probably having a good time on this at least some that's of those true. scenes. I'm just yeah, like true. screaming by himself into the camera.
0: And we see like uh, Nimoy hadn't quite gotten Spock to where he's going to be. Like it was pretty – that's pretty Spock-like. But it's like the character gets even less emotional as the show goes Uh on. And this is definitely early enough in the show where it's like Shatner's number one on the call sheet and he is leading man. And the show wasn't like – Spock had not started to take over, that kind of stuff. Although it was funny when – it wasn't funny, I guess. I'm calling it funny because of the darkness of the assault. But when uh, the crewman wanders by and catches them and and she goes, get Mr. Spock. And I just oh love yes. that. And like, it's like, yeah. Spock's going to clean this shit up. It's going to feel. Even McCoy sends Spock to go see, talk to Kirk and like figure out what's going on when he first encountered the double, but thought it was the real one. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a good performance. He's, he had to do a, quite a lot in this episode. Cause even the evil self had to show fear and weakness and, all that stuff. But he is, he does slip into that snake, that snake evil side pretty easily, doesn't he? Yeah. What part of this will he teach at Starfleet Academy then?
1: Don't beam anyone up. Don't beam anyone aboard that is covered in ore.
0: Yeah, I mean, at least dust it off. Mm-hmm. Dust off that foreign substance. <laughs> uh, I also had Scotty's jerry rigging of the transporter. They tied it into the impulse engines, I think he says, as, like, the way to finally fix it. Mm I don't know. That's not in the manual, so it seems like a a good thing that they teach. Also, maybe, like, send... If
1: if you know it's going to get really cold overnight, (laughs) maybe pack a jacket.
0: Or if you're on a planet where you know it gets insanely cold when the sun goes down, you should have, as part of your emergency kit, I don't know, like a flannel. So yeah, or, right, like, uh, like a, a blow up stuff. shelter yeah. that insulates you or something. I don't know. Something. Yeah, not every planet, obviously, but that planet in particular, they seem to be well out and everyone knows this planet's a dangerous place to be on when the sun goes down. It's like, well, it doesn't seem like you acted accordingly. Anyway, could this episode have been hornier and would that have made it better?
1: Well, OK, at first I was like, well, the sexual assault was probably enough. But again, if if they had changed that to like him just having consensual sex with one of the subordinates that I don't know if it would make it better, but it certainly made it less uncomfortable to watch. Yeah, that's like exactly how to that watch season. a sexual assault in, on Star Trek yeah, of one of the main crew members.
0: Uh, the main crew member
1: (laughs) one might say (laughs) you wouldn't have to watch captain Kirk rave a girl (laughs) that's right so yes i'm gonna say it could have been hornier and it could have made it better probably like just Uh, having uh, captain kirk having no impulse control and just being like his own worst enemy and just making like bad decisions it's probably enough in today's television but i understand why they went there for went there back then because you have to really hit it over your head like this guy's evil he could kill somebody you know
0: yeah uh i i did think it was another thing that was of its time regarding all that was that she had to look at the person who assaulted her in this in mm-hmm. the conversation mm-hmm. in let's, bring and, in. let's bring him in let don't you have something to say or what happened and she can't yeah. even look at him and it's like yeah it's just not the way it would happen now, obviously. But even the fact that it happened then is pretty rough. But I totally agree with you. Same measure. If if that had been like maybe a creepy, but still he's coming on to her. And the whole runner with Rand is that she actually does want Kirk too. And so he's playing into that. In yeah, like him way. just
1: being like a boy and being like, oh, yeah, I like you too. Sure. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, why are we
0: hiding our feelings? Let's go for it. Horny's so powerful. So you gotta yeah. use it. Go, can't go too far. With it it anyway. can be very trek- destructive in and of itself. That's right. <laughs> As we saw with the Lorelei signal. Yeah. You
1: can yeah. Do look at look. Yeah, it could have been something like that. Where. <laughs>
0: all right. So trek, marry or kill. Song. I mean, the episode is called "The Enemy Within." Yeah. I mean, let's. They're they're telling us what it's about from the beginning. But uh, all right. So trek, marry or kill the enemy within. I'm gonna give it a trek. I yeah, I'm gonna give it a trek too. I think Shatner' performance, the filmmaking, um, I think that all works really well. If you're not into sexual assault or you don't want to watch that at all, whatever you consume media wise, perfectly understandable. Um, mm-hmm. And it's within the first ten minutes, <laughs> like like they're not yeah. saving it for like. So it's like it's a thing. And that you happens. can
1: you can see it coming. Yes, like he he gets the idea to go to her room, and so turn it off or fast forward or something.
0: Yeah. You can just skip the first act, I guess in in that sense uh, after he appears in the transporter pad. But yeah, I thought, I thought it was a pretty solid episode. All right. So I think
1: uh, one thing to say is I think it's a little more violent than what they would put on, say like a sitcom today (laughs) or even like on star Trek, I think today.
0: That's true. Yeah. I mean, it, it is pretty rough. Um, And she's very she's really scared. Another reason why I wanted to highlight Grace Lee Whitney is like that. She gives a good performance in this episode. I mean, she really doesn't. She has to be really scared and be very convincing. And I think she is. But tough times. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, thanks for listening next week. We're going to conclude split in two month with a tale of two Rikers. It's second chances from star Trek, the next generation. Oh. And we'll be joined by cat Spada from feminist frequency radio. She'll be returning. It'll be the three of us. So that'll be fun.
1: Oh, I'm on that one as well. You're on oh. that one as well. Yeah.
0: I want oh, Okay. You and cat are friends. <laughs> it's like, why I yes, only scheduling this for when Kristen's on her. So, uh, <laughs> made sure she was on the one that's how you know her in fact is because of me i think so you are the reason uh but yeah she's she's a big Riker fan so i was like well i got two rikers (laughs) two rikers (laughs) on the power ranking of freaks fandom i'm definitely third on out of us three so so yeah (laughs) all right so check out checkmarykillpod.com for all of our standings if you get a chance uh rate and review us on your podcast platform of choice And until next week, TMK out.
1: Bye. I'm Captain Kirk. (laughs) Next.
0: (laughs) That's great. We don't need to redo that. It's fine.